most of you might not know this, but I actually used to be part of the worship team here at Emmanuel, right here, up front of this room. It was about 14 years ago, and it was for our youth group. We met on Wednesday, Wednesday nights, and uh, a very pretty young lady drew me to this church, and uh, Alex Wayne in the back. <laughs> so Alex is a product of family here at Emmanuel, and so I followed her here. Got plugged into the youth group, and uh, what they told me was like, hey, we're having a kind of a hard time engaging the guys in singing, so would, would you help us sing on Wednesday nights? And I felt honored by that, and I was like, yeah, I'd love to help. Well, years later, in college, I'm just singing my heart out, and Alex is like, honey, i, I got to tell you something. Um, you got to stop singing so loud because you're just tone deaf. And I'm like, I'm like what are you talking about? I was, I was on the worship team, right? Like, youth worship. She's like, well, yeah, but we wanted the guys to sing, and so what, what David Fowler would do, all right? So David was the mastermind here. He's like, we keep your mic on during practice, but when, but when the youth group started, they'd mute you. You know, God wants to use you for the mystery, and sometimes you get used in ways that, that you don't even know. Um, so I just wanted to make sure that my mic is on this morning, because some PTSD. But um, <laughs> uh, today, today we're going to look at um, a message that's, that's titled Uncommon Strength. Um, it's Uncommon Strength we're going to see in the, in the midst of challenges. And uh, I wanted to ask, ask you all this morning, is, are, are you going through challenges. Maybe at work you're going through challenges. Um, maybe you've got some relationships that are really challenging. Or, or some of us are battling health. We're sick or, or whatever the case might be, our health is, is very, very challenging. Um, I've been through many challenges in my, in my short life, uh, but nothing is challenging, challenging as parenting, though. Um, I actually got to play quarterback at the University of Wyoming, college quarterback, I've been blitzed by linebackers, and I tell you, I'd rather have that than one of my two-year-old's fits. All right, a little, little two-year-old. You guys saw the picture earlier, and and she literally she scares me sometimes. Um, <laughs> but but we have a wonderful wonderful family, and I, I count it as, as my biggest blessing. My wife Alex, our seven-year-old, her name is Adeline. We have a five-year-old Caleb, three-year-old or two-year-old, sorry, is Camille, and uh, we actually just just adopted. So we have a little one-year-old, a uh, little baby Mario was just added to our family this month. And uh, just a huge, huge praise. And, and you, th- you think about, like, challenges. Challenging is trying to maintain your family of five and go through the foster care system and trying to get uh, approved. They told us it would take, um, you know, six months. And God blessed us to do it in three months because Mario needed a home in April. And didn't, we weren't aware of it until December, and we started in January. So God bless that. Three months, Alex and I both work, so two jobs. We did it in half the time. We, Alex and I counted up. We literally spent over 100 hours in just the paperwork, training, traveling to Bakersfield, all the stuff that it takes to just get into the system and then just pray the whole time. It's like, God, would you give us this baby? You know, we don't know. We could have done all of that. And the answer could have been no. But Mario came home this month. Um, and it just, it took, it took a couple of things. One is knowing that God called us to it. That's really important. It's like we knew we were supposed to do this. Alex and I had actually talked about adoption ever since we dated. We were 15 years old, walking on the dirt roads, and, and in your current, talking about what life could be like, just dating. And we're like, you know, we both would love to adopt someday. And I'll tell you what, it took a lot of prayer and, and dependence on the Holy Spirit because 
Um, it's nothing special about Alex and I. What's special is what God can do through us. You know, we wanted to adopt, and he blessed that. It took so much dependence on God. Um, and, you know, people kept saying that it was uncommon. Like, man, the, the, the pace that you went through the system in three months, very uncommon. You know, why would you, why would you add, uh, there's someone close to us that was like, why would you invite that trouble in your life? You want another kid? Like, life is full enough, and you want another little shaver? We're like, yeah, you know, like, we feel like we're supposed to do it. And it's going to be hard. And we just kept hearing it was uncommon. And that's the title for this, uh, for the message this morning is, is Uncommon Strength. And just like Alec and I tapped into that uncommon strength to adopt Mario and honestly to just get through every day with a young family, it's, it's really challenging. But you, you all can have that uncommon strength too. But there's something that we have to, that we have to believe in. And then there's a promise that we have to believe in. Um, would you, would you guys open, uh, if you would, your Bible, or if you have a phone, turn your phone on. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, is the promise that we're going to look at today. Uh, this book, the book of Philippians, uh, was written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, the Apostle Paul was an incredible man. His conversion to Christianity is even more uh, incredible, if you, if you know of his conversion. Um, and here's what Philippians 4 13 says. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is a verse that I have clung to um, ever since I've been a Christian. And in college, I had my first uh, start at the University of Syracuse. Uh, 50,000 people in the Carrier Dome. My first time to go play as a college quarterback. And I, this is not hyperbole. I was so nervous, I thought I was going to pee myself. I was just like, I was, I was that nervous. Like, I had to go on this field for the first time. 50,000 people, it was so loud. And this is the verse that I clung to. I, like, I know I can, I can just, I can do all things. I'm going to cling to this verse. But what I want to ask you guys this morning, what we're going to get into is, is, Paul says that we can do this, but does this verse, can it apply to our lives today? You know, this was written over 2,000 years ago, so can't apply today. And can we trust Paul? Did Paul apply this? Because it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to live it. So did Paul live this way? Did he have uncommon strength? Did he apply that verse? Uh, let me open us in prayer. Lord, thank you for this morning. Uh, Lord, thank you for allowing me to be up here to, to give your truth. It's not about me, Lord. This is about your word. Uh, help me, Holy Spirit, to teach this accurately. Help me to, uh, to show what this meant for Paul but also what it can mean for us today. Holy Spirit, please give us the ears to hear, the eyes to see, and also to convict our own hearts. We're going to be challenged this morning to apply your word in, in our life where we might be battling sin. So please help us, Holy Spirit. Uh, give us that clarity, but also the encouragement to make change for God's glory. In your holy name, amen. I heard a, a, a quote one time that people are not human beings, they're human doings. He's like, you know, people aren't human beings, they're human doings. When you have to meet somebody new, whether it's at church or maybe it's at work, people always ask, what do you do? What do you do? Um, they're, always, they're always asking uh, that question. You never hear somebody ask, uh, what do you believe? What, what principles do you live by? What are, your, what are your personal values? What are your family values? You don't, you don't hear those kind of questions. Uh, people ask what you do because I think it's a lot safer. It's a lot safer. But it doesn't tell you much other than what pays the bills. Maybe they're gifted at it or, or they enjoy that kind of work. Um, but honestly, there are some people, it's like they might not be gifted. That just 
that's the highest paying job that they can they have, so that's what they do. Um, our society cares a lot about what we do. Uh, how much money does our doing make us? And then what does that money allow us to do with our non-work time, right? There's more doing. What do you do? What do you do? There's no greater promise in the Bible than Philippians 4.13 for a society that likes to do stuff and get things done. Um, you, you can do all things is what it says. And it's pretty amazing when you read it at face value uh, and not in the context, I might add, but we'll get into that later. Philippians 4.13 was penned by the Apostle Paul uh, way back in A.D. 61. He wrote this letter from a cold Roman prison where he was jailed for his faith. Paul uh, wanted to encourage the Philippians that they could do all things through Christ. And it's pretty inspiring considering that he wrote that in Dale for his faith. You think Paul might be giving up on what he's doing, but no, he wrote encouragement from prison. But the question is, can we, can we trust Paul? Uh, it's not wise to believe something without investigating whether it's true and, and what the effects are. And, and for instance, uh, we can look at two major fast food chains, all right? And one makes sandwiches, the other makes burgers. This is going to illustrate our point of can we trust if somebody says something. Uh, in 1999, America first heard about a unique weight loss story. The story was so impactful that the fast food chain, um, they ran an ad program in Chicago, and then they quickly made him their spokesperson to the company. That man is Jared Fogel, and the company is Subway. You guys know Subway? Yeah? Well, I've had Subway many times in my life. All right? Uh, and this is what they said about Jared. Jared changed his eating habits upon the switch to eating at Subway. He ate smaller portions, and he avoided the high-calorie condiments such as mayonnaise. So Jared's just eating dry, small sandwiches. But it, it worked for him. <laughs> it says while following this diet, he lost over 200 pounds. 200 pounds. Subway likes to suggest that if you eat their food, you can lose weight. And, that, and that's true to some degree. You know, look, don't go ordering the Fritos chicken enchilada melt with, uh, with Southwest sauce, thinking that you're going to lose weight. I, I had to research the highest calorie Subway sandwich that they make. <laughs> so don't eat that. But if you eat healthy, um, you can lose weight, just like Jared. They make a claim. They back it up. You see it in Jared, and that's a good example, positive example. There's a man named uh, Morgan Spurlock. Uh, here's a negative example. He filmed a documentary about McDonald's called Supersize Me. Supersize Me. Spurlock's film follows a 30-day period from February 1 to March 2nd in, uh, in 2003, during which he ate only McDonald's food. Can you guys imagine that? Only McDonald's for 30 days? That might sound good for like a couple days, but like 30 days. All right, so... Spurlock, he ate McDonald's um, three times a day. He ate every one of the items off the menu at least once. Uh, Spurlock consumed an average of 5,000 uh, 5, calories per day. As a result, the then 32-year-old Spurlock, he gained 24 pounds in one month. One month. 13% body mass increase. His <laughs> cholesterol went up to 230 he experienced mood swings, dysfunction, and uh, fat accumulation in his liver. I mean, it was so bad. Um, if someone were to say that McDonald's is healthy for you and that if you, you know, lose weight and eat it, you'll lose weight if you eat it consistently, they'd either be a liar or just completely delusional. 
You know, because Morden is the proof. He did it for a month straight, and his doctor literally said, if you don't stop this, you could die. You could die. Um, so you guys get the point, right? We've got to investigate what somebody says, and is it true, and what are the effects? Uh, so let's investigate the claim that Paul makes that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. We need to see if it worked in Paul's life, um, what proved that it worked for him, and if this promise is true, then his life must have made an incredible impact. So let's dive into examining Paul's uncommon strength in personal suffering for the gospel. I'll just say that one more time. So uncommon strength in his personal suffering for the gospel. Nobody suffers for fun. Nobody wakes up and they're like, hey, I really want to suffer today. That was, that was my Saturday. With our four kids, a really bad morning. It was not fun. I didn't wake up and I was like, I really wish... Saturday morning just falls apart, and the kids are screaming, and it's really, really difficult, right? <laughs> nobody, nobody does that. <laughs> suffering hurts. Um, but if you remain in that suffering willingly, then you must believe in that cause very, very much. Paul suffered tremendous pain and agony to advance the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And that's what the gospel means. It encapsulates his mission to love the world and save the world from their sins. Paul so loved God and so believed in his mission to spread the gospel that he never stopped his ministry, even when it ultimately cost him his life. He was martyred for his faith. So would you please turn your Bible um, or your phone to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 will be 23 through 27. 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 27. This is what uh, Paul is saying. He's, he, wrote, he wrote this letter. Paul says this, Are they servants of Christ? I am more. I've worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely. I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews... Forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. You know, I grew up on the ocean. My dad was a fisherman for a long time. I, I mean, I've been through rough seas. I can't imagine being shipwrecked. Can you guys imagine that kind of fear, being lost? You're in the, in the water. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, bandits, fellow Jews, uh, from the Gentiles. He was in danger in the city and country at sea. That's how he traveled to spread the gospel. Uh, he was in danger from false believers. He said, I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and I've often gone without food. Over 200 beatings for his faith. Paul never gave up. He was jailed, persecuted. He was never safe and secure. I feel like that's, that's so big for us. We just pursue, you know, be safe, be secure. Oh, that wasn't his life. He suffered sleepless nights. He'd been hungry, thirsty, and often gone without food. I don't think I could say that either. I, I Three square meals a day plus some snacks, I eat pretty well. You know, but Paul, he'd gone without food to, to spread his faith. He never gave in. He never quit on God, and he never quit on the people that needed him. He never gave in. Paul was one of the greatest Christian men to have ever lived. And I can say that because of what he endured 
to both keep his faith, but also to spread his faith. There are over 2.3 billion Christians on earth. And we have to remember that Christianity, over 2,000 years ago, started with 12 people in the Middle East. And God blessed this growth, and he blessed it through Paul. Paul had a huge part in the growth of Christianity. And his legacy even made it to us here in California, 6,000 miles away from Rome. That's pretty incredible. And Paul's personal strength, you know, we can see it. It's, his strength was uncommon back then, and it's uncommon today. Not many people do what he did. And you have access to this strength. You can do amazing things for God and for others, just like Paul. But there's a catch. And there's always a catch, right? It's like, you can do this. There's a catch. Let's look at the verse again for Philippians 4.13. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things, but it's through Christ. That is the catch. It's only through Christ that you have access to this strength. It's not for everybody. It's like having a, a new power tool or a, or a new blender. New blender. My wife, she really wants the Ninja blender. I don't know if you guys know about the Ninja this thing, you put nails in it, it's making a nail smoothie, okay? Like, this thing, <laughs> it's really powerful. It gets every molecule of goodness out of the fruits and veggies, you know. And she makes amazing smoothies, so I'm not complaining. Um, you know, the smoothies have stuff in them that I would not eat on their own. You know, there's like a week's worth of kale in this thing, but she hides it, and it tastes like strawberries, so I don't complain. <laughs> Now, but with the blender, as a, this will be a, a big illustration for this morning. You guys probably won't be able to see a blender the same way again. I'm going to talk about blenders a lot. Um, but the Ninja blender, you know, I can buy that for Alex. She can take it home, unbox it. She can set it on the counter. She can get all the ingredients ready, right? She can get the, the gross kale and the strawberries and the, and the, and the fruit, other fruit and the yogurt and chia seeds and anything else that, that she hides in there. Um, she can have... Everything ready, but without power, the ninja is useless, right? Like, if you can't plug that thing in, it's just a big cup with, like, knives in it. You know, it's just like, who wants to use that? It's a blender. It needs power. So um, I love my wife. I love to give her gifts. She has wanted a ninja blender for a long time. Um, now we've got six mouths that need all these smoothies that she likes to make. Uh, so you know what? I got her one yesterday. God or the ninja. There it is. 1,500 watts of pure smoothie-making power. All right? So it's our visual aid for the morning. So there's the ninja. <laughs> this blender can't do what it was designed to do without power. You cannot do what you were designed to do without the power of God in your life. You've got to be plugged into Jesus. He is the one that gives you the strength. Without him, you're as useless as the ninja blender without power. You might look kind of fancy and look like you can get some stuff done, but at the end of the day, without power, it's useless. But if you plug that blender in, it tears through anything. All right? If you plug into Jesus, you can do amazing things. First, you can do what you were designed to do, and that's have a relationship with God. That's the first thing. You get plugged into Christ, you have a relationship with God. You're created by God, for God, and you have a special place on this earth, and you have a special task that God wants you to accomplish. And you can see that if you go back and read Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. But you know what happened 
is we got unplugged. We got unplugged. If you read Genesis chapter 3, it's when sin entered the world and sin broke our connection with God. Broke that connection. We were rendered useless and ineffective when sin broke that connection. It broke our purpose. Jesus came to restore our connection to God, and he came to give us the power to live amazing lives, to live on purpose and to live in our purpose. The power that you receive specifically is the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read two uh, verses out of Acts. The first one is Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Both of these verses are out of the New Living Translation. Uh, Peter, one of the apostles, he says this in Acts chapter 2. Peter said, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So you've got to repent to get the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8 says this, uh, But when you receive the power, the power from the Holy Spirit, when it comes upon you, it says, You will be my witnesses telling people, about me everywhere. This is Jesus saying this. In Jerusalem, and then outside that was Judea, outside of that was Samaria, and then, and then he says to the ends, of the, the ends of the earth. So we're supposed to tell people about Jesus, but the power to do that is the Holy Spirit. So when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, you get the Holy Spirit. He's your power. The Holy Spirit is also our compass. He helps us navigate life. He teaches us how to be a Christian. The Holy Spirit is everything. And he's the power. You can have the power to, if you repent of your sins, and turn to God. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength if you believe in Jesus. And then you've got to believe in that promise. You've got to believe in the promise that you can do all things through Christ. Paul, Paul did, and, and, and look at his life. He had a wonderful relationship with God. I mean, there's times where Paul was alone in those prison cells. There's nobody that came to visit him. There's no Facebook in a Roman jail, right? There's no Wi-Fi and Internet. It's by himself, but he wasn't. Paul always had God with him. He could always talk to God. He always had that presence of God with him, even when he was in a jail, or whether he was preaching sermons and spreading Christianity. Paul spread Christianity all throughout. I mean, there's many, many cities connected with the Mediterranean Sea, and, and Paul spread Christianity. These several uh, missionary journeys started some people think maybe as many as 14 churches. That's incredible. 14 churches. Um, 14 churches all throughout uh, the Mediterranean Sea. And he ended in Italy, in Rome. That's where Paul, that's where his life ended. But he used his life and his writings to spread Christianity throughout the whole world. And we just read that in Acts 1-8, to the ends of the earth. And I would say from Rome to Richrest, is the ends of the earth. Like, that, that's, that's that being fulfilled, right? From the Middle East to Ridgecrest, that we're reading about Paul and what he did. The sermon today is fulfillment of what was prophesied 2,000 plus years ago. Paul's life, God used Paul's life in a meaningful way because he was plugged in. He was plugged into God. Now let's go back to the illustration of the ninja blender. The blender is made to blend food. It's pretty simple. Uh, what are people meant to do? They're meant to love God, love others, and go make disciples. Love God, love others, go make disciples. And you've got to remember that just like a blender is meant to blend, people are meant to love. Love God, love others. 
and share God's love for them by sharing the gospel message. So if you take Philippians 4.13, that promise, if you use it to be unloving, then you're wrong. You're wrong. You can't say to your wife, you know, like, hey, honey, um, I need you to feed our kids tonight, uh, bathe them, please put them to bed, and, and I can't help because it's March Madness, and I really need to watch basketball, you know? But remember, honey, you can do all things through Christ. <laughs> That's a no-go. You're going to get in trouble if you do that. Philippians <laughs> 4.13, we can't use it for the selfish act of, of watching basketball and, and, and not helping to care for the kids. Uh, but the proper use of this verse would be this, is I'm driving home from work, it's been a really hard day. I had conflict at work with my boss, um, really stressed, anxious, and I'm like, Lord, all I would love to do is just come home, sit on the couch, and watch basketball for a couple hours. Just unplug and, and just unwind from work. But then you stop yourself, and you're like, Lord, but I know that you gave me the gift of a family. It's a gift from you. You gave me the gift of an amazing wife. So, Lord, even though I'm, I'm tired and all I want to do is watch basketball, would you please help me? Thank you for the gift you've given me. And and I know Philippians 4.13 says I can do all things through your son who gives me strength. So I'm asking for help. I want to help with dinner time. I want to hear how the kid's day was. I know they've missed daddy because I've been gone working all day. Help me with bath time. Help me put him to bed. And then help me just to have quality time with my wife before we both crash because we're exhausted. You know? That's the proper use. It's like, Lord, let me pour out my life. And even though I selfishly would love to just relax... Jesus, I know that you can give me uncommon strength to serve my family and to, and to finish well in the fourth quarter of the day. That's uncommon strength. But that story, it's like, man, like who, who does that? I know men. I've had men in my life. I've seen them believe in God's word and really put it into action like that. Really hold on to God's word and say, I know I can do all things through Christ. It's uncommon. But the challenge for us today, Emmanuel, is that can it be less uncommon here? Can we stand on God's truth? Can we believe in that and really live in uncommon strength? And that in Emmanuel, this would be a light and a testimony to Ridgecrest because we have uncommon strength. And the things that we do for others, how we love God and love other people, has uncommon strength. Now you can also flip the script for, uh, for women. Now I know some of the women here, maybe you have the full-time job and that first uh, analogy would be perfect for you. Some women work part-time or maybe you're stay-at-home. Either way, all of us have busy, full lives. So whether you're the stay-at-home mom that's been changing diapers all day, you've been thrown up on, you're, you're just managing chaos, so note the kids don't have to go to the ER, and you are exhausted, right, by the time that your spouse comes home. But rather than, again, selfishly being like, okay, kids are yours, see ya. I'll see you tomorrow morning, you know, they're yours, you, know, you, you help make them, now you go take care of them, and I need a break, you know. Um, we love each other, but that spouse could say, Lord, help me to connect with my husband, to hear how his day was, so we can do dinner together. Let's work as a team and finish the fourth quarter with our kids well. I want to love you, love him, and love our kids. So it goes both ways. Just good communication, uncommon strength. Now, I think that's the heart of what I want for myself and what I want for you guys today, is I want us to be great Christians. And if we tap into this, we can be great Christians. And, and I do got to say, it's not for our glory. It's not for us. Um, it's God who saves us. His Son took away our sins. And it's the Holy Spirit that gives us the power to do this. So it's not us. It's not our glory. It's not about us. But there is a peace that's ours. 
And we get a choice. God doesn't force us. We get to choose to be great Christians that would love and show our love in incredible ways. From our marriage or our singleness, at work, with our friends, wherever we're experiencing challenge, we can be great Christians if we plug into Jesus and if we believe in Philippians 4.13. We can even love, as the Bible says, our enemies, people that are not nice to us, people that are difficult and challenging. The Bible says, love your enemies. And so enemies kind of makes me think about um, the next place that I want to go. There are, there are enemies, there are enemies to you living in power of Philippians 4.13. The enemies want to think about a breaker with the power. They want to throw the breaker. You're plugged into God, you believe in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit in your life, yet there can still be an issue with the power. And we'll go back to the Ninja Blender again. I told you guys, I was going to use this over and over. You're going to think of blenders. It's going to be connected with this message. But, all right, Ninja Blender... All right, my wife, let's, uh, it's a birthday party. She's using the blender. Power's on. She's plugged in. She's making smoothies for Camille's birthday party, right? We got the birthday girl smoothie. She's made like five other smoothies. And then all of a sudden, the blender stops working. And you're like, what's going on? Like, power's on. It was working. The lights are still on in the house, but the blender's not working. And because the, the, uh, the breaker got thrown. So I go outside and put the breaker back on. She's making some more smoothies. And it gets thrown again. You know, 1,500 watts, it's too much for Ralph's house. I don't know if you guys know we're living at Ralph's in this place, right? So it's just, it blows the breaker, and, and it can't handle it. So now I've got to call Ralph, and we've got another problem that we've got to fix. But the point is, is it's the breaker. You can be plugged in, and then still that breaker, if it's thrown, you don't have power. Sin breaks the power of the Holy Spirit to help us have uncommon strength. So sin is just like a breaker. You can be a Christian. You can have... You can know all this stuff, but if you have unrepented sin in your life, it's like throwing that breaker. You're not going to have the power. The power to do all things. Now, if you look in Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, verse 2, we see a breaker that Paul addresses in his letter. We see the breaker. It's with Yodia and Syntyche. If you're ever looking for unique child names, then you can go there. Yodia and Syntyche. I had to look up how to say those, all right? Uh, But these uh, two women have a disagreement, and Paul tells them to settle their disagreement. Both women are good Christians. They help Paul in their mission of spreading Christianity. Uh, They love God. Paul says they're hard workers. But there's conflict. And what I would say is there's unresolved conflict. Conflict in itself isn't a bad thing. But unresolved conflict can be a bad thing. And this unresolved conflict for Yodia and Syntyche, it was hindering their relationship with God, with others, and with the church at Philippi. So much so that Paul addresses it in his letter. These letters, uh, by the way, if you didn't know this, they were read in front of the whole church. So Paul writes this letter from a Roman prison. It gets to Philippi, and then their leader reads it in front of the whole congregation. So how would you like it if your personal conflicts were addressed by Bill? On Sundays, like, i got to call a couple people out, all right? Unresolved conflict in front of the whole church. So it was obviously, it was obviously a big deal. If it wasn't, Paul wouldn't have put it in the letter. Um, but the question is always, when we're at church and we're in Scripture, is, is what about me? All right, so Yodia and Syntyche, had, they had problems. But what about my life? Where, 
do you have unresolved conflict? What, who comes to mind with unresolved conflict? Don't forget their name or their face. God commands us as believers to forgive, to live in unity, be selfless, be humble, to consider others as better than ourselves. And if you look in uh, Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, uh, verses uh, 2 through 5. Philippians 2, 2 through 5. Titles have the attitude of Christ. Here's what Paul says in Philippians 2. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Is there any comfort in His love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind and one purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Think of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. So we've got to remember, we can't be the Christian that comes to church on Sunday, looks at themselves in the mirror of Scripture, uh, sees where they need to make an improvement in, in your life, and then you leave without a plan. You look at the mirror, you go away, nothing changes. That's not what God wants. We don't want to be a Christian that doesn't obey God, that doesn't put our faith into action. If you don't put your faith into action, if you don't obey God, that describes you, I would be very concerned about whether you even are a Christian. Nobody can say for certain, but you should doubt it if you don't put it into action, if you don't believe. Honestly, I would be afraid because not obeying God means you're not a Christian, which means you still have God's wrath on your life. You're not saved from that wrath. Only Jesus can take that away. Jesus said, those that love me obey my commands. Those that love me obey my commands. Christians love Jesus and they obey him because they love him. He saved us. He compels us to obey. Now, do we obey perfectly? No, but our lives are marked by obeying the word of God and trying to obey better and better more and more, not less and less or not at all. It's marked by an increase of obedience. So if you feel convicted about sin or specifically unresolved conflict in your life, uh, maybe it's with uh, a spouse or a coworker, a friend, um, a teacher, uh, a teammate, a sibling, then we need to make a plan right now of what we're going to do to resolve that conflict. That we would just come to church and see something and then forget about it and not change. Got to make change. Make the appointment to see the person. Rely on God's strength to resolve the conflict. And the last thing is, is this, is remember that you can actually resolve conflict, um, but the mandate doesn't go both ways. You can't force somebody to ask for forgiveness. You can't force somebody to, for, to forgive you. But there actually is a way in our faith where you can make things right, even if the other person doesn't ask for forgiveness. You can go to God, and you can pray about it, and you can ask God for forgiveness if you need it, or even ask God to forgive the other person that hurt you, or there's a disagreement. It, it may not go both ways, but it may. You need to try. Make an appointment. See that person and ask for forgiveness. Resolve that conflict and get that sin out of our life. And like I said, it, it doesn't always go both ways. We have to try, 
But uh, I think about Jesus and his example, uh, the day that he was crucified. This shows that we can actually forgive others. We can get rid of unresolved conflict, even if they don't participate. Jesus was mocked, um, had horrible things said about him. They beat him, tore open the skin on his back, made him carry a rugged 300-pound cross up a hill that drove nails through his hands and his feet. I mean, if anybody would have been mad at somebody, it would have been Jesus. That's an excruciating amount of pain. And all the while, they just mock him, that he wasn't who he said he was. I mean, that, that amount of emotional and then also physical pain, you would think if anybody had the right to not forgive somebody and to hold a grudge hatred, it was Jesus. What did he say on the cross? He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This is a, a big deal for me in, in my life. I had a counselor that helped me with this. He's like, hey, you can go to God. Go to the person first if you can. But some of us, we might have unresolved conflict, and that person's no longer with us anymore. And you can still get that off of your heart and off of your plate. You can go to God and say, God, here's, what, here's how I feel. Here's how it's hurt me. But I want to forgive them. I can make my heart right by talking to God and saying I forgive them. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. They're stuck in sin. They were bound to sin. But I release that from my own life, and I want to move on. I don't have to carry that anymore. We can forgive others. And I think ultimately what that shows is that we're Christians. We're like Jesus. Christian means little Christ. Be like Jesus. And he forgave others. He resolved conflict. His life was about resolving ultimate conflict. is sin that, that broke us from God. So I'll close with this. You've got to get plugged into God through Jesus Christ. That's the first step. And if you're a Christian today, um, then you need, or sorry, I messed it up. If you're not a Christian today, uh, uh, you need to be, or you can be. Uh, I'm going to be up here after the service. So if you want to come speak with me, I'd love to share in more detail, if you need it, about the gospel and how you can become a Christian never want to assume that we're all, all believers, so I'll be up here. Um, I also want to say this. There's a story in the Bible about a rich man that rejected God, and then this story shows that this rich man was in hell. But somehow, in the story, he could actually see a man that he knew here on earth that was in heaven, and he knew he couldn't change where he was at. He was stuck. He was in hell. He's like, but I just want a drink of water, just a, just a little water to quench my thirst. And then that wasn't available either to him. And so he tells this man that he knew back on earth, he said, would you go tell my family? Tell them about this place so that they don't have to be here. That's part of our Christian love. That's why we share our faith so people can have a relationship with God. And heaven is a possibility, not hell. Separation from God. And torment. Um, and I just think that if you fast forward and you think about yourself, um, no matter what, you're going to spend somewhere in eternity Really, would you be in hell and you're like, hey, you know what? One time I had an opportunity to trust God and give my life to God, but it was kind of socially awkward to like, go see the guy after the service. And so I was like, nah, I'm just going to you know, go get lunch. And then you miss it. Like, you know, I know it might be a little awkward, but if you want to come talk, come talk with me or come talk with Bill um, this week. I mean, there's resources. Don't let salvation be on hold because you don't know how long you have. And uh, it's, it's the most important thing in our life is to know God. If you are a Christian, you are plugged into God, you have the Holy Spirit, my question is just, do you have any breakers in your life? Any unresolved conflict or unresolved sin? Um, we don't want to break that power. We've got to forgive and ask for forgiveness. God commands us to live at peace. God tells us to forgive lest we be forgiven. 
And this is kind of like the last challenge. God's not into double standards. You want to be forgiven? You've got to forgive others. God's forgiven us of there are thousands and thousands of sins that we commit against Him. So even if somebody sinned against us a thousand times, God says, forgive them. Keep forgiving them. Keep forgiving them. We've got to forgive others. Get plugged into God. Repent of your sins. Paul says, be holy, and then we can truly do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Let's pray and ask God to apply this message to our lives. Lord, thank you for, for this challenge. Um, there's many of us right now that this stirred up some stuff. Uh, some people maybe we have forgotten about. And you brought them to mind. Unresolved conflict. People that have hurt us. We've all been hurt by somebody. Lord, help us to see that path clearly. How do we resolve that? Is it person to person, face to face? Holy Spirit, give us the power to meet with that person and, and, and to ask for forgiveness and to get through that conflict. And Lord, if they're no longer here with us, I just pray, Lord, that you would give us again the strength to talk to you about it and that you would take that off of our shoulders. Maybe a weight that we've been carrying around for decades, but we can bring it to you, Jesus. We can bring it to the cross and it can be gone. And we can live in freedom and in peace and in power to have an amazing relationship with you and then go tell the world how amazing you are and how other people can be with you, be forgiven, and have an amazing life here on this earth, the way that you meant for it to be before sin messed it up. I love you, Jesus. Uh, Holy Spirit, apply this to our lives. Don't let us forget. Um, maybe, Lord, just the, the illustration of that blender. We'll remember the blender is useless without power. As the Christian is useless without being plugged into Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. In your holy name, amen.